as far north as Marauder's Arch, as far south as Booty Isle, as far east as Ruby's Fall, and as far west as Mermaid's Hideaway, Pirate Talk Radio proudly presents the most in-your-face Sea of Thieves podcast on the waves, and now broadcasting from his mother's basement, the biggest idiot to ever pick up a cutlass, your host, Davram! Welcome back, guys, to Pirate Talk Radio. I hope everyone is doing well, and I hope that you've gotten to the holiday season. My Christmas shopping is all done. Um, many of you have things that will be in the post or the mail, depending on where you are, uh, within the next week or so, um, because of Patreon rewards or um, some Twitter uh, things that I uh, gave away stickers for. So don't worry if, uh, if, if you have got a message from me that you get a sticker or that you're on the page, don't worry that it's, it's coming. It's just with things with the holidays and me being in retail and all that stuff, uh, getting this stuff sent out during the holidays. It's, it's just be patient. Don't worry that it, it, it's coming. I'll get your cards and, 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 and things like that. So don't worry about that. But uh, I've got a story, uh, cause I know I got several messages from people about episodes, uh, from last week and I'll get to that, uh, right off the top. And then we've got a lot of sea of thieves stuff to talk about. We got the new adventure, uh, to talk about and, uh, well, some pretty big changes that have happened, uh, that I think everyone should be very, very excited about. So, uh, we will get into that in a moment, but first, as always, we need to take a minute. And thank all these wonderful, amazing, and notorious pirates who are tuning in, not only in listening to the show each and every week, but are also financially contributing to the show. So let me take a minute and thank Regis Stella, Lane, Scamelt666, Jack Bull, and Blade X Life. Thank you guys for continuing your support of my content and specifically Pirate Talk Radio. If anyone would like to become a patron as low as $1 a month to support the content, support the show, uh, and uh, and all that fun stuff, head over to patreon.com slash TV. You can check out all the things that you can uh, get by signing up. Some swag, some, some rewards and stuff like that for signing up. Uh, get a special thing in the Discord. And if you haven't joined the Discord, uh, please make sure you click the link in the show notes um, because I am doing some updates to the Discord. It is in the process of being updated, uh, and there's some uh, some really cool things that I've added as far as automation. So for Sea of Thieves news, uh, there's a Sea of Thieves channel that uh, whenever Sea of Thieves posts a Twitter, uh, a YouTube video or posts a, uh, a stream, they go live on their main channel, uh, there will be notifications there. Uh, so you will always be able to get the latest Sea of Thieves news from the words directly from the rare team themselves immediately when it gets posted or they go live. So that's in the Discord. You don't have to be a patron to uh, to get access to that. That is for everyone. It also shows uh, when I go live uh, with my stream. But let's get into the story of last week's episode. So there was a episode last week, and you may be sitting there, well, Davram, I didn't see it. And even the patrons are going to sit there and say, well, Davram, we didn't get it. I'll tell you why. All right, we're all we're we're our 
what's the saying? <clears throat> We're our own worst critic, I believe, is is the the verbiage that is said. Um, so I got the episode done, and I was going through the the editing process. Uh, there's not a whole lot of editing that I usually do with Pirate Talk Radio because that's I kind of like it off the cuff, kind of like you know basically what it's named after a a a talk radio show right it's it's more interesting and more fun uh as as kind of a conversation piece as as you know a show like that versus um one that's heavily edited right if you want something that's heavily edited there's plenty of podcasts out there there are plenty of of youtube videos and things out there this is more my style which is conversational more me talking me you know having a general guideline of notes that I want to cover, uh, but then kind of expanding on them and, and just making it more organic. You know, if you're old like me and you still listen to talk radio on the radio on your drive and your commute. Um, yeah, that's, that's what I like. In fact, there's a local show here where I live that pirate talk radio is basically based off of. Um, it's not at all video games. It's actually sports related, but yeah, anyways, the episode was done, and I was doing the the enhancements, the editing, what, whatever I need to do uh, before I actually release it to folks, and I was not happy with it. The audio quality, that was fine. The video quality was fine. I didn't like the overall flow, and I didn't like the overall delivery of the episode. I thought it was um, a disservice to all of you who listen. I, I felt it was a disservice to the show. It just didn't have the same drive. It didn't have the same passion. It didn't have the same information. Um, it didn't have any of the things that have has made Pirate Talk Radio amazing that you guys tune in and listen to. And so because of that, I just deleted it. I literally deleted it. It's like it never happened. I deleted all the files off the computer so that episode will never see the light of day. It just wasn't good. Uh, and, and, you know, I know there's people out there who don't like my content and that's fine. I know there's people out there who are huge fans of this show and that's awesome. And I, I appreciate both sides. You know, I, I'm not everyone's cup of tea, but I'm not going to release a product that I am not happy with. And I was not happy with last week's episode and therefore I'm not going to release it. You guys spend, <clears throat> you know, an hour plus each and every week listening to the show. And I want to make sure that that hour plus is entertaining, fun, or very informative for you. Uh, and last week's episode didn't hit any of those notes. Uh, it, it wasn't fun. It wasn't entertaining. Uh, and it wasn't that informative. Uh, it just did not flow well. And, and the information and everything was, it just didn't work. It didn't work. Um, and I, I sat down with my notes from last week and, and everything. And, I thought about re-recording it. I thought about just bringing it out late. I, th I thought about all that stuff. And I said, you know what? Let's take the good bits of these notes. Let's take the good bits of the show and combine it into this show. Because it, it, it works well. Because some of the things we, I, I was talking about last week um, that in that deleted episode, the never going to see the light of day episode, tie into things we're going to talk about today. So I think it worked out well. Again, I apologize there was no episode, but it didn't meet my quality standards and I wasn't going to release crap to everyone. Because again, if you're spending an hour out of your time to listen to me uh, and listen to this show, I, I want it to be entertaining. I want it to be good. So there you go. There is the mystery as to what happened to last week's episode. It doesn't exist. It doesn't, it did. It, it, it's gone. It's deleted. It's dead to me. It's dead to me. So 
let's get into some news. There's a lot of news. I'm gonna. I, I, I'm not gonna spend a whole lot of time on the news, but there are definitely some things that I want everyone to be aware of that are coming up. It is the holiday season. Um, whether you celebrate or not, it's a very busy time for everyone. Um, and there's a lot of things that are going on in Sea of Thieves that you know, you may want to, uh, uh, know about and take part in. Uh, so there's a lot of dates coming up, um, that they all overlap, right? They all overlap, but just so you guys are aware. So here we go from the 19th of December to the 2nd of January, 19th to the 2nd. So by the time this releases, it'll be about the 19th. So here you go. Twitch drops. It is the frozen horizon clothing set. Um, so if you don't have that uh, particular clothing set, 19th through the second uh, Sea of Thieves partners, I believe, are the ones who get that 19th through the second Twitch drops. Make sure you have your accounts linked. You can do that on Twitch by going up to your uh, your name in the upper uh, right corner, uh, clicking drops uh, campaign, finding Sea of Thieves, link your account, or you can go to Sea of Thieves website. And there is a Twitch account link there from the 22nd to the 26th. So that is uh, the, the, you know, the week before Christmas through Christmas weekend. Um, there is a in-game Christmas boosted XP. So that is not only faction, um, but also allegiance. So make sure you get in there. It's kind of like a golden glory um, thing. Uh, I don't know if the gold is increased. It might be, um, but it is a Christmas boosted XP event. So if you want to get your allegiance up, if you want to get your uh, reputations up, if you've got something to work on, this is a great time to do it. 22nd of December through the 26th of December. During that time, also, if you just log in, you will receive a Gilded Voyage. Those are uh, really nice loot voyages. So just by logging in uh, during that uh, boosted XP uh, week before Christmas and Christmas uh, weekend, you will also get a Gilded Voyage just for logging into the game. From the 20, or for, sorry, from the 30th to the 2nd, so kind of uh, moving away from Christmas and moving into the New Year's, you will have a Grogmany event. So an uh, uh, event that uh, they did last year and was kind of fun, um, ringing in the New Year with lots and lots of Grog and doing different Groggy things. Um, there will be cosmetics, including a, a flag and things like that, the uh, yearly uh, mug. Uh, that will be uh, from the 30th to the 2nd. So right over top of New Year's. So again, from the 19th through the 2nd of, 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 of January, lots of things going on. Twitch drops, um, boosted Christmas uh, experience, gilded uh, voyage, Grogman the event. So mark your calendars. Get your playtime in if you've got the time. I know I'm going to get some playtime in on stream. Next, the Emporium update. Here's some critical things you need to know about the Emporium. There is a new ship set out right now in the Emporium and a weapon set um, along with a trinket bundle. Um, the trinket bundle is another trinket bundle kind of highlighting other rare games like uh, the, 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 the Battletoads, uh, Perfect Dark, other rare games. Uh, they've done that with ship sets in the past. This is a trinket set for your ships. There is also the ship set and the weapon set, which is owl-themed. 
Owlet TV, Owlet Jared, buddy of mine. Um, he has been trying to get owls in this game for going on two years now. Well, here you go. Owls are in the game. It's a full owl ship set and owl-based weapon set that you can pick up in the Emporium right now. Um, and then from the 23rd to the 3rd, right? So right before Christmas to through New Year, there is going to be a holiday sale <coughs> going on in the Emporium. So if there's not anything in the Emporium right now that you want and you have some ancient coins you're sitting on, hang on to them because there are going to be a sale um, through Christmas and into the new year that you may want to get your hands on, including uh, the really nice Aurora Borealis ship set will be available. Um, but they're bringing back some of the legacy uh, ship sets and cosmetics um, that they've they've had in previous battle passes and other things like that uh, that you'll be able to get your hands on during this Emporium sale. So there you go. Lots of dates. I uh, hope you got them all written down. If you didn't, well, join the Discord. Uh, check out uh, the Sea of Thieves Twitter and all that fun stuff. And uh, that will uh, will 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 get you uh, will get you taken care of. So let's talk about the Rogue Legacy adventure, the newest adventure in Sea of Thieves that's going on right now. It probably has about a week left. Um, and let's kind of let's kind of talk about it. Um, obviously, because of the episode that didn't happen uh, last week, we didn't talk about the trailer. We didn't talk about my excitement. Um, I have since played it on stream, uh, and since this is the second week, I have no issue uh, um, talking about it. I know I've gotten feedback from people that appreciate that I don't talk about the actual play of it until the second week um, because of, of people's playtime. So thank you for that feedback. Anyone who reaches out to me on Twitter or DMs, I try to respond to them, um, and and you know a lot of folks have some really good points that they DM me and things like that. So please continue uh, to send me messages of things that you like about about the show, things that you would like to see changed about the show, um, topics that you would like me to cover on the show. Um, keep submitting them. Um, I can't promise everything will be talked about or everything will be brought into the show, but it's it's nice to be able to engage with you, and I, I love to talk to everyone that I can. Uh, just bear with me as I am a very busy person, so it may take me a minute to get back to you. Uh, but let's talk about this adventure. So off the bat... I was excited about this adventure. Uh, both trailers were very well done, very cinematic, and it hit on a node uh, that I'm, I, I was wanting them to hit on and I've talked about before. I'm tired of Flameheart. Flameheart is, though I love Flameheart, I love the Reaper Bones, he is a stale character. He is a stale villain. He is... He is he, he, I love villains in, in movies and in books, and unfortunately, Flameheart is a villain that he's hung around too long and he's going to be here longer now. Um, but more so he's, he, there's nothing engaging about him. There's nothing engaging whatsoever. It was really cool in the beginning when it was just part of the tall tales. It was interesting when we released him and became a head talk in the sky. We've now passed all that. It's boring. It's stale. And unfortunately, he's like the turd that won't flush, right? Same thing with Pandragon, right? He had some great moments in, in Sea of Thieves history, but it was time to put him to bed, and we did. There are other characters in this game that are villains that, that I hope they start focusing on. Um, and I hope they give us some more about them. The Dark Brethren being one of them. Now, 
This particular adventure is about Briggsy. Now, Briggsy is obviously a quote-unquote villain that we had in the first couple Tall Tales um, as we are trying to um, hunt down the Shroudbreaker Stones and understanding what all Briggsy figured out in attempting to pass through the Shroud to get to the Shores of Gold. Briggsy never achieved that, but we learned a lot about her. Um, But there was another person... In this particular time with Briggsy, um, that was a critical story driver, and that was Tasha, um, the innkeep of Ancient Spire. And she is the one that has the book that you follow when, you, when you're when um, you doing some of Briggsy's tall tales. And she was just a little girl uh, when Briggsy was doing all these grand adventures, and Briggsy would return to Ancient Spire and regale the folks there, and specifically Tasha, on her adventures out on the Sea of Thieves. And Tasha absolutely adored Briggsy and how we left Tasha at the end of the um, of the end of the Briggsy storyline of the tall tales is Tasha was inspired to go get her own sloop and begin her pirate adventure and become a pirate princess like her idol like her friend um, the person she looked up to Briggsy Um, in these trailers we see that Tasha does do that She leaves the tavern. She shuts the door and she goes out on an adventure, returning with a chest. And what happens to Tasha next is very interesting because when Tasha wakes up from from a night's sleep um, after after her grand adventure to get this chest, she notices that her hand has now lost its flesh and has become skeleton. So Tasha has been cursed and Tasha is becoming a skeleton, just like Briggsy. Remember, if you've done the tall tales, if you haven't, I'm sorry, this is going to spoil it for you. Remember, when you're fighting Briggsy, she constantly reminds you she didn't ask to be cursed. She didn't want to be cursed, but she became cursed and became a skeletal lord. So now it appears that whatever cursed Briggsy has now cursed Tasha. And that is what we get as far as the cinematic trailer. And then we get the gameplay trailer and we find out what we're going to be doing is going on a puzzle treasure hunt to re uh, to, to basically step back and figure out what all Briggsy was doing. Learn more about Briggsy. Was it just about the shores of gold? Or was it something else that Briggsy was doing? And we have to now figure this out and hopefully, hopefully figure out a way to save Tasha so she does not become a skeletal lord like the person she looked up to. I was very hyped about this. Briggsy has been a character that has been very interesting. I loved the tall tales. I loved playing through them. I enjoyed the Briggsy character. I thought that character had a lot of potential. I thought that character had a lot of uh, really cool energy. And I thought that character could be a very, very amazing character for us uh, to get to know and to, you know, fight. Unfortunately, we beat her in the tall tales. We return her skull to the Order of Souls, and Briggsy disappears in time. You hear mentions of her, including at the end of the Shores of Gold, but in general, Briggsy has disappeared uh, because, again, her skull is in the tent at um, 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 uh, Ancient Spire. 
So I was excited that Rare was going to dive back in and, and give us some more history about Briggsy. Give us some development about this pirate and hopefully be able to create what I hope to be a villain that has a more intriguing storyline, a more lasting storyline, and one that we can all get behind of, of a good villain in the Sea of Thieves, unlike Flameheart. I did the adventure. And let's just say the hype that I had in the trailer was quickly extinguished. It was quickly extinguished. And yes, we will get to the rating and I'll give you my scores. But I want to talk about it first before I get into the scores. I was very disappointed in this adventure. There were some highlights. But there was also just boredom. This adventure felt like an order of souls voyage. That's what it felt like. Go to these islands, kill these skeletons, return to us. That is what it felt like. It felt like a copy paste of a order of souls voyage. The, um, the history, uh, or the, 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 the Briggsy clones, if you will, um, that are guarding these different, uh, relics were no more than just slightly empowered skeletons. They were easier to kill than a gold skeleton. There was no challenge. Then you dig up a chest, you get uh, two pieces of loot and a relic, and you move on. There was a lot of sailing involved. And just overall, this adventure felt like an Order of Souls voyage. It did not feel like an adventure. Uh, It didn't have... The energy. It didn't have the driving force behind it. It I could have done an order of souls voyage, got more money out of it, and done it faster than this adventure. It was very disappointing. Now, one thing I haven't mentioned is the lore. And the reason I haven't mentioned that is that was the actual good thing about this particular adventure was the lore. On multiple levels. One, we are introduced to potentially a reason why some of the wilds, which in general is a very dead, barren wasteland, is starting to see some green, some spotches of green on a few different islands. And we learn this through a series of journals, which some are on the islands of the adventure and some are on other islands that you have to sail to to get them. And what we learn is that when Briggsy is searching for the shores of gold and she becomes cursed and she begun, she begins to transform into a skeleton lord. Though her search for the shores of gold does not stop, she also takes on another quest, which is how do you beat the skeletal skeletal curse? How do you become alive again? How do you cure the skeletal curse? And we learn this surprisingly through a series of journals written by the Dark Brethren. And we get a little bit more information about Wanda, the warsmith. We get a little bit more information about Duke and how he feels about Wanda. 
and we get a little bit more information about uh, about um, Amaranta and how she feels about the Warsmith. And if you're one of those folks that just click through the book really quick to get the um, get the get the check mark, and lore doesn't really matter to you, this this adventure would be absolute garbage. And I'll be completely frank with you. It didn't score well, and we'll go over that in a minute based on our rubric. But the lore was a saving grace to make this particular adventure a little bit microscopically better than just an Order of Souls voyage. And we learn that Wanda and the Dark Brethren may not be held together in a very strong bond. You can clearly read that there's some dissension. You can clearly read that there is some confusion as to what Wanda the Warsmith's priorities are. Duke and Amaranta very, very clearly mention that they're not quite sure if Wanda's head's on straight. She now has this obsession originally with Flameheart. Now she has this obsession with this idea of Briggsy coming back to life and no longer being a skeleton. And this fascination is driving her to figure out what Briggsy knew. What did Briggsy find out? Because the Warsmith believes if she can control the power to bring people back from the, from skeletons, she would have a strong power and a ability to control more of the Sea of Thieves. Flameheart, obviously, with what's going on in the Reaper's hideout, has the ability to turn people into skeletons. But now there could be an option to turn them back. It's this idea of life and death, right? And though the Warsmith does not have any, any want to turn herself back into a human, she does feel that if she can get control of this power, she can utilize it to maybe convince Flameheart's forces to become human and fight for her against Flameheart. So it's a very fascinating lore read. It was very nice to read the books. Uh, it was really cool. Uh, it really gives you kind of a behind the behind the curtain look on how the Dark Brethren kind of view each other. It kind of gives you a little bit more a little bit more history of the shroud that surrounds Briggsy and what Briggsy was up to more than just the Shores of Gold. Gives us a little understanding now of what might be happening in the wilds as we see more and more magical enchanted green uh, appear on some of the islands. But as you know, with our rubric, our criteria, it takes more than just one thing to make or break an adventure. So let's go over the Rogue Legacy score. From top to bottom. The first score, as you well know, if you've listened for a while, is driving story. Does it have a driving story from trailer to end? I gave it a three. 
The trailer was very exciting. It got me excited about a character that I like and a character that I was excited about. The overall adventure, however, did not have a driving story. If you just followed the book um, of, of like Tasha or Briggsy's notes and stuff, did not have a really driving or 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 a story that captivates you. It was just an order of soul uh, uh, voyage. That's all it was. The lore drops, however, did have an intriguing and driving story to them. So if you sailed around and not only did the adventure itself and the Order of Souls voyage that it was, but also went around and got the lore books in order to complete your entire deed list, there was somewhat of a driving story there, but not a story like some of our previous adventures had. This one was more of a you have to read the story and... It was kind of a uh, a puzzle piece that you had to kind of put together, um, and and a lot more of it was speculation than actual fact. Um, if you're reading these lore books, a lot of what I said uh, just a moment ago was what myself and others have taken from what we read in the books. Is that what it's going to be? Eh, I don't know. We'll have to find out as this uh, trilogy of adventures, what appears to surround Briggsy, continues. But without those books, if they just put a couple um, uh, lore drops in there like they normally do, this driving story was not there. The adventure did not have a driving story. Um, The lore books helped. um, But from a character that a lot of people like and a lot of people wanted to see more about, this adventure was not a good kickoff uh, for that. It It was rather lame. So it got a three on driving story out of a possible five. Um, combat, this one's a really easy score. It was a one. What combat? Um, I feel that every adventure should have lore. It should have a driving story and it should have some sort of combat, um, that, that is decent, right? Even if you have to fight like a wave of phantoms or something like that, it should be something that you have to fight, uh, fighting this skeleton. That's just slightly harder than a normal skeleton. There was no combat unless you got hit with a Megalodon, a skeletal ship, or had some PVP in it. There was zero combat. The adventure itself did not have any sort of fun or intriguing or any combat whatsoever, except for killing like what? Three skeletons. So one out of five on combat, really bad, really bad. Not just, just garbage. Uh, the reward out of five points, I gave a three. Um, it's cool that we got Tasha's compass, uh, but overall, it it was kind of lackluster. It, I, in my opinion, it didn't have a good design. It was it was uh, you know there were the gold hoarder like uh, rank compass it, or, or the the gold hoarder compass is cooler looking than this one. This was kind of meh. It was uh, there was no really glowy bits like the the old tall tale compasses were. You know, it was it was just really a meh reward. Um, and again, I never rate the titles because you always get a title. I always, unless it's really an outstanding title, I always just look at, um, the, the, the costume cosmetic thing that you get. And overall, I thought this was in general, meh. Maybe there's some people out there who like it, but I don't foresee this particular compass uh, uh, getting put in the hands of very many people. They've done much better cosmetics in the past. I I, I just think this was a, a lame reward uh, for, well, let's be honest. The reward matched the adventure. It was a lame reward for a lame adventure. Uh, technical implementation. Now, the, the the reason technical implementation got a uh, got 
as high of a score as it did was it was bug-free. Now, they did delay it a day, um, and I'm not, again, still trying to figure out why they had to delay it a day anyways. This was probably the most simple of adventures that they've ever done, so why they had to delay it, I don't know. I'm not sure if it was because of the the Briggsy spawns or the loot that the, that, that was part of it. I don't know, um, but it, it, there was it was relatively bug-free. With that being said, there was a major issue with it. And I'm guessing it was overlooked uh, because, in general, uh, Rare has a hard time foreseeing certain things. Um, and they probably tested it one crew at a time. They probably did not test it with multiple crews doing it at a time. I'm going to guess. Because if multiple crews do this adventure at the same time, it will break. It will break. This is how it breaks. If two crews are doing the adventure at the same time, when you accept the adventure, all of the chests that you have to dig up, along with the Briggsy skeletons, are spawned. It is not a spawn as you dig up the last chest. It's They all spawn at the same time. Which means if another crew doing the adventure gets to an island before you and digs up the chest, they're all in the same spot, they will dig up what could be your chest. And then when they go turn in the items, they could turn in your item, which bricks your quest and deletes it, and you have to restart it. The reason I know this is we got um, two brigs together on one server um, for two podcasts, one boat. We had multiple community members um, from both the Keel uh, from the Keelhaul podcast and Pirate Talk Radio together on two brigs, uh, and we were doing the adventure at the same time. And uh, my brig had to do it twice because the first brig got to the chest before us and broke our quest. So, in a multiplayer game with a shared world um, and an adventure that are that that doesn't adjust based on crew, like Tall Tales will adjust the locations you have to go to based on other crews doing that Tall Tale. This adventure does not. The chests are all in the same location on the same islands. So, it was a major oversight that this is an issue. Do I call it a bug? I don't know um, if I would call it a bug or not. Um, I think it's obviously an issue. Um, maybe it is a bug. I don't know. Uh, it's not a normal bug that that I would look at as a bug because it's an experience breaker. It's not really a game breaker. The, the quest works for one crew. It just doesn't for the other because the items got foobarred. Um, you know, because the other crew is turning in your item. If you knew which item was yours and which item wasn't, it'd be fine. But the keys work on any chest. So if you dig up the chest and your key works on both chests, you just open one and take it. Who knows if your chest was the first one you dug or the second one you dug. Either way, it breaks it. So overall, three. Relatively bug-free, but that is a major issue in a game that's a shared world where multiple crews are doing this at the same time on the same server. Uh, time length, time investment. Uh, this is a two out of five. Um, this was not designed well for a casual player. This was not designed well anywhere close to some of their other adventures. This one was too long. There was too much sailing. Um, and there wasn't enough driving excitement. This was literally an order of souls voyage that took you to just about every Island in the wilds. Not really, but all the major big islands in the wilds. And there was just too much sailing, and there because there wasn't fighting, real good fighting on each place, or really hard puzzles or something to figure out. It was just just that it was 
lame. And so there wasn't anything to get, keep you excited through. It was just like slogging through. I'm going to sail to this island. Oh, look, there's a skeleton up, oh, killed the skeleton up. Oh, there's my chest. It was just very, very boring. And because of all the sailing uh, to all the different islands, uh, what was it? Four islands, five islands that you had to go to to get all the deeds completed all over the wilds. It was just too long. It was just too long. Um, in, in my opinion, again, they've had adventures that have been long in the past, um, but they've had something driving it, something exciting, something, you know, to push you forward. That's, that's fun and exciting. This one didn't have that. So not only was the land and, and if you're on a, let's say a galleon and you have to sail against the wind a lot, this thing's going to take forever. I would say if you were focused on this and sailing nonstop, going, getting your stuff and going back and had no issues, no PVP, no stuff like that, it would take you an hour or an hour and a half to do. If you run into any issues or whatever, it's probably going to take you two hours or more. And that's just a little bit too long for a boring adventure like this. If it was engaging with a driving story and excitement, then sure, two hours is fine. People would be okay with that investment. This particular one had no drive. It had no excitement and overall just too long and too boring. So there you go. Two out of five. So overall we had driving story, three out of five combat. What combat one out of five reward three out of five technical implementation, three out of five time length, two out of five for a grand total score of 12 out of 25 or a 48% F failure of an adventure. And I would completely agree. I did like the lore drops. That was the saving grace in this. Um, the, the the lore books were written really well, um, but but overall, absolute failure of an adventure. It was it was just dog trash. And I hope because I love Briggsy so much, I hope they redeem themselves in the second and the third um, adventure of this what appears to be a Briggsy trilogy. So let me know in the comments, hit me up with a DM, join the discord, hop in the sea of thieves uh, chat and tell me what you thought of this adventure. I know I've already, before I even did it, I had people messaging me and telling me and jumping in the Twitch chat and telling me that I'm not going to enjoy this adventure. I didn't. I, I will honestly say I didn't. And I think it deserves the atrocious, bad 48% F that it received. Um, but jump in. Tell me what you thought. Were there any highlights that maybe I missed out of the out of the scoring? Just, just let me know what you thought about it. <clears throat> so the next thing I want to talk about is quality of life. Some things have changed and some articles were released and, and a news video came out. Um, talking about some changes that are happening, um, there, there was a report, there's, there's some new and weird bugs, and, and I haven't been able to confirm them all, but this one was really interesting that a couple people said they've experienced, um, and that was, um, um, crates and loot, uh, start floating off the deck during veil missions and disappears, uh, only happens if you interact with it. Um, so I saw a video on it. I have seen multiple people say that this is happening. I haven't seen anything in the patch notes. I haven't seen anything like that. Um, it doesn't seem to be widespread, but that does seem like a major issue. If you pick up your loot it, when it's floating in the air, air during a, a veil mission, it just poof disappears. It's gone. Um, that is really bad. Uh, I'm glad that I haven't experienced it because I would lose my freaking mind. 
Um, but uh, keep your eye out on that if you're doing veil missions. Uh, be careful if your loot starts floating because uh, loot might disappear. Uh, the other thing um, that kind of came up uh, was an article uh, that was released by Andy Preston. And it it didn't give us fixes to some of our issues with Season 8. But it did give us a really good behind-the-scenes look at what Sea of Thieves is looking at and how this particular Season 8 PvP system has been implemented. There have been a lot of negative um, uh, comments, a lot of, of negative feedback around queue times, around the matchmaking, around supplies, around blunder bombs. There's been a lot of feedback out there. Uh, Shores of Gold, Red Sea. Um, there's There's been a lot. Uh, and, and Andy, and Andy, I thought did a really good job of in this article, um, telling everyone at least around the matchmaking and queue times, what goes into this and is the system working or not? Are they monitoring it? Um, and things like that. And he also went into a lot of statistics and examples of why the matchmaking in the queue system seems broken right now. And I really enjoyed this. It, was, it wasn't it was technical. Uh, I am not a technical person. I may work in IT, but I am not a technical... Um, um, I, and I'm not a, a technical person. Um, so I was glad that I could understand what Andy was, was writing here. At the end of the day... The issue with the queue system and the matchmaking system comes down to this. There are some players that are match that are high skilled. There are some players who are low skilled and there's a lot of people in between. There's a lot of one faction and not a lot of another faction. And that changes based on region and based on area. In order for Sea of Thieves to keep their servers stable and working, the world is divided into regions, and regions are divided into areas, or um, I can't remember what he, he the specific word he used. But basically, if you connect to a Sea of Thieves server from where you are, you are connecting to this little globule of, 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 of servers, right? And your globule of servers that you're playing on have those players, but this globule over here, which still might be in your country, do not have any sort of cross. So if this globule has a hundred players, again, he didn't go into these type of details. This one has a hundred players and this one has 10 players. If these 10 players are waiting for a match, they're not going to be matched with the hundred that are over here because they're separated. Okay. In MMOs, we would call this cross realm play. Right. These are different realms, right? Different realms in different regions of the world. And they don't have a way to tie those realms together. The nice thing about that is Andy said they are th looking at ways to do that um, specifically to help PVP queue times. That is not something that's going to happen overnight. <clears throat> we are talking about the foundation of this game, which we know is spaghetti code. 
we know that clearly Italians were very much in the room when they were creating Sea of Thieves because Sea of Thieves is the best hot pot of spaghetti you've ever had in your life. All right, the code is just a spaghetti mess. And we can see that with things that have been fixed and then when they don't do anything to touch that, it breaks again. We know that it's spaghetti code. We get it. But the foundation of how they have their servers structured in order to provide better server performance, they don't have those bridges that connect those different realms, if you will. Uh, I'm talking in MMO terms because that is what I know. Um, so... That is something that they're going to be working on, which will help queue times. It'll also help those populations of highly skilled players, low skill players, find appropriate matches. Because here's what's going to happen. I'm going to give a value. I'm going to say a PvP player has a max. Let's let like Madden football, right? Each player has a value based on how good they are. PvP player A has a PvP value of 100. Amazing PvP player. He is in a bracket that he will get paired with anyone from 90 to 100. PvP player B has a PvP skill of 65. They get paired in the 40 to 70 range. I'm just making these up. And then PvP player 3 or C has a value of 15, and they're in the range of 30 and below. So if PvP player A at 100 skill points enters the queue, and there is no one in the bracket of 90 to 100, the game is not going to make PvP player A wait until there is someone queued that's in their skill bracket. What there it's going to do is it's going to look at who all is queued and it's going to grab the closest person to their queue, to their skill bracket. So in our instance here, it's going to go with PVP player B who is a 65 skill point. That is a great difference. 65 let's say is just slightly above average where 100 is like professional sweat lord. It will pair them together for a fight, and that fight may feel unfair for person B, and it may feel too easy for person A, but the alternative is you sit in the queue for 30, 40, an hour, two hours until someone in your skill bracket is there. A lot of games do this, right? There's a lot of games out there who do this. And I think with Sea of Thieves, I think it's fine that they do it this way because if skill person B who is outskilled by a lot from person A, if they land a really good sandbag with a cannonball, it could be over and the top skill player loses. If they just get a lucky shot with a, 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 a cannonball, it's over. See if thieves can turn that quick. Again, when you're talking about bigger crews, it changes that. In this situation, we're talking about solo sloopers, right? And it changes that with bigger crews. But at the end of the day, to keep queue times down, it's going to take the first best available player match that it can. And that's not going to change. What is going to change, however, 
is cross-faction fighting. And when I say cross-faction fighting, I don't mean Reapers versus Guardians. I'm talking Reapers versus Reapers. Guardians versus Guardians. Which means the entire play pool is now completely open to PvP. So instead of being a Reaper at skill 100, looking for a Guardian in their skill bracket of 90 to 100, and having to wait 45 minutes an hour for that person to put up the uh, uh, Guardian um, uh, hourglass, it's now going to say, hey, Reaper, there's another Reaper in your 90 to 100 skill bracket who wants to PvP. Instead of making you wait, we're going to send you and fight that person. So it's going to reduce queue times in my mind significantly because now you don't have to wait for two triggers, two check marks, one, your skill bracket, two, your faction bracket to be checked before you get a match. Now it's going to quicker uh, be able to say, hey, there's someone available. They're close to your skill bracket. They're just your faction. Go. I think this is a great idea. I understand for you lore hounds out there, I understand for you, you know, your you purity nerds out there where it's Flameheart versus the Pirate Lord. I know this is going to piss you off. I know it's going to make you itch. I know I get it. I understand. But this particular game mode is fragile. It's fragile because it only works if players play. It only works if you can get players to play it. And the only way players are going to play it is if cues are reasonable and they have a chance to win. So matchmaking, skill-based matchmaking has to be as good as it can get. There's going to be times where it's unfair, but again, it's Sea of Thieves. One cannon shot to the head can change everything. And cue times have to be reasonable. Which means this particular feature makes sense to make sure the game mode has longevity. And because players like me, who are not even at 10 yet on either allegiance, because I don't care to rush things, this gives me hope that I will be able to at least make 100 some year uh, because the game mode's going to last. Now, the next thing you're going to say is, well, Cheering isn't going to last if they keep letting blunder bombs be the way blunder bombs are. Well, I have good news, everyone. Good news, everyone. The Sea of Thieves news released <clears throat> that changes are being made to blunder bombs. It wasn't the change that I thought they should have made, but it's a change that I think will improve the experience. <clears throat> and make it less likely that blunder bombs are going to completely overtake uh, this system as it has for the past couple of weeks. First thing, <clears throat> they have resolved the exploits that were allowing people to get an asinine amount of blunder bombs via tall tales. Fixed. <clears throat> they reduced the amount of blunder bombs which spawn in barrels. Less blunder bombs. Less munitions to piss people off with. They reduced the number of blunder bombs you get in the captaincy munitions purchase. <clears throat> reduced the amount of munitions 
that you can get reduce the annoyance of blunderbombs. Here's the big one. For those of you who don't know or haven't watched the the Sea of Thieves news, blunderbombs, when thrown by the hand, have a radius of five meters. When fired from a ship, they have a radius of 10 meters, which means you hit a ship, you're going to hit the players on it. That has now been addressed. And if a blunderbomb is fired from a cannon, it has the exact same area of effect as if thrown. So five meters. So it's cut the blunderbomb area effect down in half of what it was. That's going to be a huge change and a huge improvement in the Season 8 PvP system. They also dramatically um, uh, reduced the popcorn effect that blunderbombs have on players, where if you get hit by a blunderbomb or it gets hit near you and you fly back or fly over there, they they said, they didn't give specifics, but they said they dramatically reduce the popcorn effect. So you shouldn't be flying all the way off the ship if your ship gets hit with a blunderbomb. One thing they didn't notice that I was hoping they would is did they adjust the impact on the ship's controls when getting hit by a blunderbomb. For example, if two galleons are in a broadside with each other and one starts firing blunderbombs, the other one basically has no ability to control the ship. They can be hard left, and if they keep pelting you with blunderbombs, they're going to keep you going in a straight line, right? So so they didn't say anything about that. So I'm anxious to see in-game if anything with that five... Uh, with that that cutting in half the area effect, if that's also going to affect uh, the ship and not just the player. So we'll, we'll see. But one thing was uh, true. The senior designer who spoke on this said they will continue to monitor uh, the blunder bombs and make further changes if necessary. So that's good. I'm glad they are kind of um, coddling, I, I guess I will say, this system. They put it out in the wild and they said, let's see what happens. It didn't go over the greatest, um, lots of negative feedback around certain things, and now it's time for them to adjust. They've made adjustments, but they haven't just flipped a switch and just turned blunderbums off, right? My suggestion wasn't to turn them off. My suggestion was to make them throwable and not firing out of a cannon. So you still get to use blunderbombs, just not in the same way. They have now made a couple switch changes and tweaks that should improve this drastically. Now it's time to sit back and look at the analytics, look at the feedback, see if the improvement is acceptable or if it's something that needs further adjustment in order to make it pleasurable and acceptable uh, by the player base. Next, and this was huge. This is a big one. So... One thing that kills people's drive to do this PVP thing, especially if you're a person who isn't skilled or is trying to get skill in PVP and not that good, so you sink quite a bit. Uh, and even now, even if your matchmaking um, ranking is is relatively low, you're still struggling. One thing that's very frustrating is entering a battle, losing, and then having to spend time to restock your ship, especially if you're a galleon. A galleon takes a long time to stock, and if you lose, now it's like, well, 
do I really want to restock and try again or do I just log out or do something else, right? It is it is a huge barrier for entry and re-entry, uh, more so the re-entry back into PvP. And if you're a player who's fighting and wants to continue fighting, at some point you do run out of, uh, or you're going to run low on supplies and you could pop out of the, the tunnel and get invaded or something like that before you get more you get to more supplies. So they made some significant changes to this in order to help players keep supplied so they can continue to queue and continue to play. First, sunken ships will leave behind their barrels containing all the supplies the crew stored. So before, players could put stuff in the barrels, which would be destroyed when the ship is sunk, or they could put them in storage crates, which float to the surface. A lot of times I wanted them in the barrels so I could deny supplies to other players if they beat me. Now, even if you put them in the barrels, they still float to the surface so the other players can take all of your supplies. Now, here is another diamond in the, the rough as to why this is going to be big. Not only is it going to keep people a, ability to queue, even those players who might not necessarily uh, be that great in sync, because we're going to get to another key feature for you guys in a second. But the other piece of this is there is a toxic behavior out there that players don't like uh, and discourages them for PVPing, and that is spawn camping. And spawn camping occurs a lot of times because the attacking crew is trying to siphon your supplies to resupply them for their next fight after they sink you. Getting spawn camped is a frustrating thing. I've talked about it many times. I've talked about ways to get around it and what you should do if you're being spawn camped and can't get out of it. Now, there shouldn't be a reason to spawn camp anyone. There should not be a reason that people are spawn camping. They should be allowing that ship to sink because the supplies in the barrels will float and they can siphon them all off afterwards. So there shouldn't be any reason for spawn camping. Now, for those players out there who do sink and lose all their supplies, well, you still have to go restock. Here are two features that are specifically for you guys that I think is a really, really good idea. One, the overall supplies you start on a fresh ship or a fresh sunk ship have been increased and your food barrel will now not only contain the bananas, it is also now going to contain coconuts. So a better food source contained in your barrels right off the bat. So you should be able to get down to business pretty quickly by looting the island that you spawn at, having the increased starting supplies and getting back out there and having some fun. That's what we want. Faster time to fun. The next thing is, after your sink, you're going to spawn where? At an outpost. You're not going to spawn at Liar's Backbone. You're not going to spawn at one of these podunk islands that has like four barrels on it and be like, well, shit, now I'm going to have to sail around for a while and get stuff. You are going to spawn at an outpost, which has the highest volume of barrels and has the access to the captaincy uh, uh, items, the merchant alliance supplies. You're going to be able to quickly loot the outpost, get your captaincy supplies, get your merchant supplies, have your increased storage on your ship and get the hell out there and have some more fun even if it means sinking some more and learning some more about pvp you now have the ability to quickly get out there and do it that is awesome i remember back in the arena days 
when they increased the amount of supplies you had on ships in the arena. And that changed the arena drastically for the better because you had supplies. You had a lot of supplies. You had more supplies than you knew what to do with specifically cannonballs. And it was absolutely fantastic. I think these are huge and amazing changes by the rare team. I think this is going to keep the longevity of this particular update going. I don't see this update going anywhere unless they really screw something up. They still need to keep their eyes on it. They still need to make sure that Q times are staying reasonable. They still need to keep their eyes on it. They still need to figure out how to get the bridges to the other realms going, uh, again, to work on those Q times and to make sure players are getting a more fair match and not matching down just to keep Q times down. There's still a lot of improvements they need to keep doing and a lot of monitoring they need to keep doing to make sure this play mode stays as healthy as can be. Now, some people out there don't think this play mode is healthy at all because they don't like PvP. Well, this play mode is not for you then, but I strongly encourage you to get out there and at least try. Look, it's a video game. I know it's frustrating to lose. I understand it's frustrating to fight. And I understand because I get worked up when I get in PvP. And I know folks who get very high anxiety, um, unhealthy anxiety, when they're in a PvP situation or a high-stress situation. I get that. And, and if that's the case, then yeah, try to find someone to help you out or don't PVP, don't queue up, don't use the hourglass. And I know that sucks because you can't get some of the cosmetics. But again, as I've said in the past, I know people don't want to hear this, but not everything in every game is for everybody. Sea of Thieves has done a great job for many years trying to make sure that every piece of content is available and works for everybody. And unfortunately, in doing so, they've lost a lot of their players, specifically the PvP players, because they haven't done enough catering to them to make them feel like this game is worth their time. So if you're not someone who who feels good about PvP or, or it's unhealthy for you to PvP, don't PvP. It's fine. And I know you won't get your curses. I get it. But your health is more important. It is a video game. And you have to understand that those PvP players that this update has brought back are going to help support this game and updates in the future that are going to help you. PvP, PvE updates that you're going to enjoy in the future that they probably won't take part in. So, And also, it keeps players from hunting you in the normal PvE. doesn't stop them, but it lessens it. So be, be, be happy about it. I encourage everyone to at least get out there and try PvP. Remind yourself it's a game. Have fun. Get out there and try. The only way to get better at PvP is to PvP. Another fix, and this is a big one. This is a huge one. They have fixed it so that you are unable to lure slash get invaded or invade someone who is near or in the Red Sea or in the shores of gold. This was obviously something that Rare did not anticipate and probably did not test when they first designed this, but because players are going to be players and players are going to figure out any way to cheese a system in order to benefit themselves, they have discovered that you could get close to the Red Sea and spawn your invader in the Red Sea and do damage to them or in the shores of gold and, and sink them that way. It is now done. And that has been removed. And what I will say about that is 
it is very important to pay attention to what people say, but also how people say it. And the senior developer, when he talked about this, he was visibly and auditorily annoyed that players did this. And I get it. Tools, not rules. But I also understand, don't be an exploiting, cheesy fucktard. Okay? Period. Don't do it. Don't be a person who finds something that is exploitable and finds something that is cheesable and does it just to gain advantage. Stop doing it. You could tell that he was very frustrated and you could tell that he was annoyed that him or his team had to spend time to fix something that players shouldn't have been doing in the first place. And what we should also take from this is Rare is not going to be babysitting anymore. I've seen multiple times now, and I've got multiple messages from people, that people are getting banned for doing the alliance server you invade into an alliance. They're punishing people for that. They punish people for the Red Sea and Shores of Gold stuff. They're punishing people for the invulnerability exploit. At the end of the day, you as a player know what's fair and what's right. And players should not be cheesing it. And what we get, what I get and what I take from the frustration and annoyance of the senior developer when he was talking about this is we're not going to hold punches. If you're being a dick and you're being stupid and you're taking advantage of our motto, tools, not rules, to ruin, bully, or hurt another player's player experience, we are going to ban you. We are going to implement a fix to stop it from happening in the future. We are going to waste time that could be that could be handled doing something much more productive and developing some sort of new cool content to make sure that these folks can't do this again. It's annoying. It's frustrating. But we're going to do it. And we're going to come down with the ban hammer on players who do it. So my advice to everyone, just be a good person. Be a good player. Not skillful. If you're not skillful, that's fine. I'm not good. But be a good person and a good player. You know, don't go out there and find some weird exploit and then just keep exploiting it because you're going to get caught. It's going to get fixed and you're probably going to get banned. End of the day. Just don't do it. Just don't do it. Overall, though, this quality of life um, update, I think, was fantastic. It was well needed. Um, I'm surprised it didn't come sooner, but with the amount of quality of life that we see here, they resolved a lot of items that were pain points and gave players heartburn and bad experiences. This is a great, great thing. Uh, And you know how I am with Rare and Devs and how I talk about it. This, they deserve credit for. They did a great job here. They did service by the players. Um, and I think this is a good step to keep season eight and the PVP system healthy and, and functioning for a while, because there were a lot of players that were frustrated and a lot of players who stopped the season eight PVP stuff because of these type of issues. And now that they're resolved, hopefully we'll see those players coming back. Hopefully we'll see queue times being better. And hopefully eventually with the bridges between the realms we should also see queue times lessening and better, more accurate skill-based match system matchmaking. So there you go. 
There you go. We started off with the failure of the adventure, and we got an amazing quality of life update. Guys, gals, and everyone in between, thank you very much for listening to Pirate Talk Radio. I appreciate it very much. We are coming to the close of 2023. A year, another year of Pirate Talk Radio is about to be in the books. And we're about to go to season four in just two weeks. Season four of Pirate Talk Radio. I want to thank everyone who has listened to a single episode, multiple episodes, every episode. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. And I hope that you all have a happy and safe holiday season. And as always, take care of yourselves and each other. And I will see you next week on Pirate Talk Radio.